0: listening to Give Me the Bible with Len Today's program is entitled The Receival Hello my radio friends I'm so glad you've tuned in today to hear more from God's Word, the Bible. Many of you have probably thought to yourselves, as you consider what's going on in the world, that we live on a planet that is full of confusion. Nothing seems to be stable anymore. Society is changing. The weather's doing unusual things. We have social and political instability, and human rights by some... Are being totally disregarded. Can it get much worse? Is there any remedy? I hope to bring to you today a positive message but first a story. When I was a boy we lived on a mixed farm near the River Murray about halfway between Manham and Swan Reach. We had access to water for irrigation So in addition to the growing of cereals, wheat and barley, raising of sheep and having dairy cattle, we had fruit orchards and grew vegetables. I feel very fortunate to have spent my childhood years in such an interesting environment. One summer we received a phone call from my uncle Keith who did broad-acre farming in the mid-north of South Australia, near Spalding. My uncle needed someone who would be willing to sew up the bags of harvested wheat. This was in the times before bulk handling. Then the wheat would be put into large bags made of jute and left standing together in a group of several hundred out in the open paddocks. The bags needed to be sown at the top and put under cover as soon as possible in case a summer storm hit and the wheat spoiled. The harvest on our property was finished and apart from some summer fruit that needed to be picked, my father thought he could help my uncle in his time of need. My mum and my older brother would be able to manage the fruit On our property so it was all arranged and I was to go with my dad to the dry mid north I was to thread the big curved bag needles used to sew up the bags and I was probably about eight years of age at that time the work for me was hot and boring but I was a good help for my dad One night, close to Christmas, we were invited to go to a Christmas program at the town hall of one of the nearby towns. So my dad, Uncle Keith, Aunt Lillian and my cousin Elaine and I went to the Christmas program. There were items and speeches and it was all very boring for me. Then they came to a part where the compare began to call out the names of various children who would then come down to the front to receive a Christmas gift. I never knew any of the kids there as I was a stranger in the district and I didn't feel part of this celebration. Then, while my thoughts were on other things... I vaguely heard a name that sounded something like mine. I made no response. I thought they'd got it wrong. The name was called again. Ah, there must be some other child with a name like mine. I still made no response. The name was called a third time. My aunt nudged me. That's you, she said. I went to the front and to my extreme surprise received a gift-wrapped present just like the other kids did. I enjoyed reading the Donald Duck and Cats and Jammer Kids comics out in the sun-baked paddocks and playing with the small toys and eating the lollies and licorice from that parcel. It was all there just for my SOUL PLEASURE. SOMEONE HAD UNEXPECTEDLY CALLED MY NAME, AND I RECEIVED A GIFT, AND IT MADE ME VERY HAPPY. BUT YOU KNOW, DEAR FRIENDS, I'M EXPECTING ANOTHER CALL THAT WILL FAR SURPASS THE ONE I HAD IN THAT LITTLE COUNTRY WAR MEMORIAL INSTITUTE THAT SUMMER NIGHT WHEN I WAS A CHILD. The call I'm waiting for is a call by Jesus, a call to come home with him, a call at the final times of this earth's history. I hope to hear Jesus say, Len, you've been a faithful servant of mine. Come enter my father's house. The Bible puts it this way in Matthew 25, verses 14 and 21. Then the King, that's Jesus, will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Well done, you good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your Lord. Now I need to tell you there are some very widespread ideas about Christ's return and many of them are based on very unstable flimsy theological foundations. One has to do with what's called the secret rapture and the other is to do with what happens to the dead after they die. The secret rapture theorists maintain that prior to the actual coming of Jesus, the saints, or to put it another way, the righteous people, will mysteriously, without any prior warning, be whisked away and go up to heaven. This theory became sensational in the 1980s and was popularized especially by Hal Lindsay and Tim LaHaye in books and films. Many gullible people believed it and still do. Some evangelical preachers followed this sensationalism and soon the false teaching became established doctrine in many of those churches. Fundamental to this belief, is that prior to the actual physical coming of Jesus, the raptured saints will already be in heaven. The other theory is also very widespread and almost unquestionably accepted. And it's this, that when a good person dies, their body and so-called spirit, the consciousness, separate. And the consciousness goes up to paradise. Paradise is not particularly well defined by many of these believers. Some say it means heaven. Others think that it's some sort of holding place somewhere in the vicinity of heaven. A good Lutheran friend of mine who's getting up in years and not expecting to live much longer told me he's not afraid of dying because he expects to then immediately go to God. The official Lutheran doctrine, as taught by Martin Luther, is quite different. Luther taught that the dead sleep peacefully in the grave until the physical, literal return of Jesus. I've spent some time looking at the gravestones in the Tanunda Cemetery in South Australia. You may well know that Tanunda was one of the centres of German Lutheran settlement in the early days of colonisation in South Australia. Some of the burials were made in the 1840s, and it's quite obvious what those original Lutheran settlers understood about what happens at death. These are some of the inscriptions on the gravestones. Sleeping until Jesus comes, or until he comes, and similar to that. I never saw any stones with gone to God written on them. In Luther's writings, which in the German is Luther's Schriften, he said, The promise of the return of Christ is like a sweet and cheerful sermon. He continued expressing some very deep sentiments by saying that if that day would not come, he would have preferred not to have been born. The return of Christ for Luther was what he called the beginning of a beautiful summer. What Luther, the father of the Protestant Reformation, believed is a far cry from the popular 21st century belief of many Lutherans and other mainstream Protestants. In the Bible, there are very clear statements Regarding the turn, the return of Christ. None of them say anything about a secret rapture, and none of them even hint that there's a separation between mind and body. And I'll read some of them to you. In John chapter fourteen, verses one to three, the Bible says, "Let not your heart be troubled." Also, these are the direct words of Jesus. But did you notice? Jesus said he would come again in person to receive to himself all those who accepted his sacrifice for them and honoured him in their lives. There's no mention of a secret rapture And there's no mention of the saints already being in heaven. No. Jesus is coming himself to collect and welcome those who belong to him. But isn't Jesus coming back to earth to reclaim just the bodies of the dead saints? No, he's not. That idea is just a band-aid applied to rusty bucket theology. We're going to stop here for a moment and we'll go on straight afterwards. <laughs>
1: Search me and try me, Master, today. Whiter than snow, Lord, wash me just now.
0: Just before the break, I asked this question, and it was this. Isn't Jesus coming back to earth to reclaim just the bodies of the dead saints? And I've partly answered the question for you and said, no, he's not. Let's look at First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through to 16. The Apostle Paul writes here, But I don't want you to be ignorant, brothers, concerning those who've fallen asleep, that is, those who've died, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. Even so, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. At that time the living saints will witness the graves bursting open, and those saints who have died in Christ will be resurrected and rise up to meet Jesus then the living saints will also rise up and together they will be with Jesus who will take all of them as his prized possession to heaven. Some of the proponents of the secret rapture theory and of the separation of mind and body theory have a ridiculous idea that when Jesus comes he will bring the saints from heaven and then turn around and go back to heaven. They misread part of what I just quoted, the bit that says, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. Bring with him from where to where. He will bring them from this earth, to heaven where he dwells, just as he promised in John chapter 14, verses 1 to 3. In John chapter 6, verses 39, 40, 44, and 54 are the words of Jesus. He used a particular expression in each of these verses relating to his second coming. His first coming was to do what needed to be done to redeem or save people. His second coming is about conferring on the saints what he promised, eternal life. In verse 40 in chapter 6 of John says, Everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. What is this last day? It's when Jesus comes, as I explained, as explained rather in First Thessalonians, which I quoted to you earlier. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for the saints in heaven, that's in his father's house. When the time is ripe. He will come back for all those who love Him, dead or alive, and in one glorious procession He'll take them back to heaven and present them to His Father. In the book of Hebrews chapter 11 11, is what we call the faith chapter of the Bible. In it, is a list of people whose stories are recorded in the Old Testament, people who have honoured God and who will be given eternal life. And verse 12 has this to say about them. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, Embrace them and confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You would have thought that if the dead go to God after they died, that these faithful people as listed were with him then. But no, the text says that they had not yet received what they were promised. And the text also implies that these people did not regard planet Earth as their final home, but thought of themselves as strangers and pilgrims. To them, this planet was only a temporary place. One of these holy people was King David, who wrote many of the Psalms. King David died at approximately 1,000 years BC. The Apostle Peter, speaking about him in a sermon after Pentecost, said this, and it's found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 34. For David did not ascend into the heavens. If David, known as a man of God's own heart, did not ascend to heaven, how come people believe that when someone dies, they're straight away zapped up to heaven. The simple truth is that David, like every other faithful person who's died, is waiting in the grave for the return of Jesus when they'll be resurrected and will go home and then raptured to heaven with their Saviour. The acceptance of the secret rapture and or the consciousness-going-to-heaven-at-death theories do not fit in with what the Bible says. Those theories should be rejected. They're fabrications. As Martin Luther understood it, and what is shown on many old gravestones is right, when we die, we are inert, without thoughts, but we are waiting we are waiting for the great event of Jesus coming to collect us and take us home and to receive us personally. Whether I am alive or dead when Jesus comes again does not worry me at all because he has promised that if we are faithful, we will be given eternal life. The same with Abraham and David. Each is peacefully waiting for Jesus to call their name. Come, come, you blessed of my Father. Come, receive the inheritance promised you from the foundation of the earth. The question is, how will it be with you? Will you be one of God's faithful children who will also inherit eternal life. I sure hope you want to be there on that great day. And moreover, I want to see you there. God bless you, my friends, as you make it your business to be one of the family of God. So, until next time then, this is Leon signing off and wishing you hope and grace and peace.